For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. We are Union Strong. Union Strong. We are Union Strong. We are Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. Union Strong. This is the busiest time of the year for us here at the New York State AFL-CIO and for many of our affiliates all across the state. We're in legislative session and we're advancing our legislative agenda and addressing budget priorities. So joining me on the podcast today is going to be our legislative director, Mike Neidel, to kind of get into the weeds and break down what our legislative priorities are and how you can help get involved in advancing them. Joining me on the podcast is our legislative director, Mike Neidel, and uh, welcome, first of all, Mike. How are you? Great. Thanks, Darcy. This is always fun. And I know this is a super busy time of the year for you, so I appreciate you taking the time. We want to talk about our legislative agenda. But before we get into it, I just kind of wanted to remind our listeners, you know, of course, the vast majority are union members. They know who we are, but others who uh, might be listening uh, who we represent, right? And it's 3,000 affiliates from the public sector, private sector, and building trades um, who have a lot of different interests, but the common goal really of making a better quality of life for workers. And that's really kind of lays the groundwork, I think, for what you put together with our legislative agenda. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and, and the importance of bringing everyone together to do that? Sure. As you just said, we have a very diverse membership uh, represented by unions, both geographically and by the jobs they do across the state. Um, you know, the legislature comes into session every for a two-year period. And during that two-year cycle, they will introduce well over 10,000 bills. Uh, many of those affect our members and the unions that represent them, the everyday work lives, from pay to health and safety, funding for programs, whether you're in education or health care, local government, transportation, the funding for these jobs. Uh, including construction. Uh, the funding for all of these services and jobs comes from the state government mm -hmm. and in this process. So between 10,000 bills and the budget process, it's critical for unions to be involved and in letting legislators and the governor know how these proposals impact them. And um, you can be sure that management and business and other types of organizations are in there making their points heard. So that's why it's critical for unions to do the same. And so part of our process, I know you hold, um, you know, meetings throughout the year to gather the information on what those kind of really drill down to what the main priorities are for our different affiliates. And you have one-on-one -on -one conversations as well. Um, when does that process even start? It starts, it really never starts and ends. It goes year <laughs> round. Uh, right now we're in the thick of it. The legislature's in session. The governor has proposed the budget. They're uh, working on that. Uh, but really, our process for this year began about six, eight months ago with those very meetings you just talked about. We have specific subgroups that meet on specific areas like healthcare or public employee issues. We put all of those ideas together, bring them to the board in December, and the board ultimately decides what the AFL-CIO's agenda will be. And as you know, that's really important because that's all of the unions together agreeing this as a labor movement is what should be our priority. So what we're pushing for now was really decided last year, 
And as always, there's a few surprises. Maybe something gets introduced in the budget or a new idea comes out in the legislature, and we have to react and respond to that. But uh, for the most part, we work off of our legislative agenda, and I'll show it for the camera. This is it right here. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have about 10, 15 pages of different issues that cover every topic you could imagine that affects labor unions. And really, that's where a lot of our power comes from, right? Because you have so many people coming together on those same issues. So the um, uh, uh, legislators, the uh, senators, assembly members, the governor, they're hearing from us, but they're also hearing from all of those labor uh, leaders as well. And so it's important when we're all on the same page. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so let's talk about some of our priorities. Um, what are some of the, the top priorities that we're looking at this year? You know, one of the one of the biggest issues that we have confronted, like everyone else uh, has confronted, is climate change. Mm-hmm. That's really risen to the top of the um, top of the agenda for a lot of reasons. We have so many members in the fossil fuel industry that, as as the government requires transition to clean energy or renewable energy, those jobs could be in real trouble. And the reverberating effect is manufacturing and other employers who rely on the fossil fuel industry also could be in trouble as a result of this. So in addition to trying to create good new jobs in the clean energy and renewable energy field, we're working to protect jobs in the fossil fuel industry, transition them where possible into the clean energy uh, field, and at the same time, um, create programs to retrain uh, or create health insurance and retirement protections for those workers so that we can bridge the gap um, and prevent them from losing work or, or having their work go out of state. Right. Um, so really it's affecting every aspect of our um, economy, uh, combating climate change. Mm-hmm. And, there, and there's dozens and dozens of bills as well as um, energy-related proposals in the budget. Uh, they're working on legislation now that would change how buildings are constructed and ensure that moving forward, new construction uh, only has uh, clean energy hookups and no fossil fuel hookups. Uh, we're changing the way manufacturing and, and the way energy is um, generated and trans transmitted. So there's uh, all kinds of do- issues, dozens and dozens of issues. And then we should probably point out, too, so you had the Climate Action Council that didn't have the voice of labor for a while, right, when it was uh, first underway. And then our president, Mario Salento, was appointed to be have a position on that panel. And that was vital, right, because he's there giving the voice to workers and talking about the labor protections that we need and the worker protections we need and all these climate-related uh, pieces of legislation. Yeah, that's a really important point. And, and President Salento was on that uh, Climate Action Council and was able to get included in that document really important labor protections, many of which I just talked about. Um, it's really significant because that is the blueprint of how the state will implement all of these ideas, some of which I just talked about, some of which you know are still uh, being developed. Mm-hmm. Um, But as all of that happens and as these ideas come up, that scoping plan and that blueprint includes very strong labor protections. And it was really important to have labor's voice on there. So Mario was able to, to do that. I know one of our other priorities that we've been talking a lot about, and actually it goes back many, many years, is indexing the minimum wage. Talk to me about um, where we are with that and how that's uh, one of our priorities. Yeah, the, the minimum wage uh, over time 
uh, stagnates and just becomes, uh, it, it doesn't do the job it's supposed to do, which is keep particularly low-wage workers, but entry-level positions up um, at a level that they can sustain families and, and make a living. Um, unfortunately, the way our process works is every so often, sometimes it's years, sometimes closer to a decade, uh, before we actually raise the minimum wage. And you have all the political forces and all of the economic forces that come into play and delay and and um, have influence on how that works. What we're proposing is an indexation so that the minimum wage will go up periodically, annually, pre- preferably annually, um, based on a formula that takes into account the cost of living and inflation and other factors. Um, that way businesses and workers alike will know um, and have be able to predict what their minimum wage is going to be mm-hmm. rather than wait every five or 10 years and just sporadically have it hit. And, um, y- you know, I think as a policy, it's a really, really important provision to get done. Uh, many other states have done it. Uh, New York has done it in other areas like unemployment and workers' compensation. So the time for minimum wage is now to index the benefit. Can you also talk about, I know um, we're focused on um, recruiting and retaining uh, public employees because that's been an issue for years as well. And I think it got worse right over um, COVID. And that kind of with what goes into that, too, is um, pension reform, because that's all part of that equation, right? Absolutely. It's uh, one of the main uh, sections in our legislative agenda for 2023 is addressing staffing shortages. And whether it's public sector or private sector, we still have that problem, recruitment and retention. Minimum wage, as we just talked about, is one of the areas to to actually help um, get workers in. The more you pay, the more workers are going to show up and apply for jobs like that. Uh, and likewise, you mentioned tier six in the public sector, and we've done segments in the mm-hmm. past about that. Uh, for years and years, there was, uh, out of unfortunately, out of Albany, there was an attempt to roll back these benefits, and um, and the whole creation of the tier six really came out of out of this austerity um, philosophy of governing, and it really caused a lot of damage in terms of providing services. If we're going to provide the services, whether it's education, health care, mental health, law enforcement, firefighting, you know, you go down the list of those critical services in the public sector, we need to pay workers a fair and decent wage. And one of those factors is the pension system. Mm-hmm. Tier 6 really rolled back all of the benefits for workers and at the same time increased their employee contributions. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at all of that to try to reward longevity and get a better benefit for public sector workers. Um, There's a lot of different proposals we have to do that. They all cost money, so we have to fit that into the whole state budget scheme. But tier six reform combined with minimum wage, two of the most important ways we're trying to address recruitment and retention problems. Is there anything else? Um, I mean, we've got several issues in there, but anything else that you think that we should um, point out that one of our priorities? You know, child care is always a major priority, mm-hmm. and that also has a lot to do with recruiting and retaining workers. Uh, people are more likely to go to work and take full-time work if they know their children have access to safe and affordable sure. child care. It's kind of a no-brainer, um, but child care is so expensive. So, 
we support a number of different programs, um, particularly a facilitated enrollment program that helps working people access and go through the system of applying for subsidies and other types of assistance. So um, child care is really one of the most important issues. Um, basic labor rights. Every year we see a few workers' compensation bills that would either roll back or change how the system works. It is a critical system for injured workers, and um, we have an entire staff here that works on that. So health and safety in the workplace is always one of the most important issues that we fight for and improving safety laws like the scaffold safety law as well as workers' comp laws. So um, a lot of, we'll be paying a lot of attention to proposals like that. Um, and then uh, some basic employee rights. You know, one of the things we started working on last year and we came close, and I'm very confident that we'll find success this year, is banning non-compete agreements. Mm. You know, these are the agreements that employers oftentimes make workers sign uh, in order to get uh, get hired. And what that what these non-compete agreements do is on the back end, it prevents an employee from leaving that employer and working for a competitor. Mm -hmm. um, you know, to us, no employee should ever be denied the ability to work. And these non-compete agreements have been abused. We're seeing them in low-wage industries. We're seeing them in healthcare. And again, if you go back to recruitment and retention, if we want more people to work, we shouldn't inhibit their ability to shop around after they've been with one employer. So and I can remember that. I, I come from a TV background many, many years ago, and we had the, the non-competes. They were fairly routine in that industry. Um, you know, they didn't want you to go work for the other competing station, yeah. um, which isn't fair. If, you know, everybody wants a chance for advancement. But it is crazy when you think about it now that how much is ex has expanded just for competing for that workforce. So one of the things that we do when we're trying to get our message across is we put out these memos of support. And, um, you know, you'll have you, I'd like you actually to explain that process. But I think it's important to point out to people, we're not just advocating for certain things. There's some things that we're trying to pull back or say, no, this is a bad idea. So we'll have opposed memos as well. So talk about how those are used and what we sure, do. Sure. That, and that's a great point you made. We, you know, in our efforts to lobby and advocate, we have like, this is a support memo. You see a big green support on the top. And then um, that one right there is our minimum wage support mm -hmm. memo. And we send that to the whole legislature, their staff people, the attorneys and uh, committee clerks who, who actually, you know, do the work to make these things happen. But obviously we sit down with legislators and, and deliver these um, to them. And th it's easier when you support a bill. Sometimes, as you just said, we have to oppose bills. And we put out a memo. This one has to do with a charter school proposal that would vastly expand charter schools in New York City. We are uh, very strongly opposed to that, along with the New York State United Teachers and, and the United Federation of Teachers. Um, you know, and again, you can see the big red headline and mm -hmm. all of that. Sometimes with, with, with an opposed bill, um, and I would say probably most of the time, we can sit down with a legislator and figure out how to rework it or amend it or change the language so it doesn't cause any harm to union members or the services that we provide. Mm -hmm. um, most of the time you can, you can figure that out and work through it. Uh, sometimes you can't. You know, it's going to be very difficult to work through this charter school proposal because the initial law that created charter schools is so flawed and it has such a tremendous negative impact on public school children and school services mm -hmm. that I'm not sure uh, in the current context you could even fix it. But I know everyone is going to try. So um, so that's an important point about any oppose 
um, issue is that we um, we always try to work through the oppose and try to get it to a point where it doesn't cause harm. We're not just saying, hey, don't do this. We're saying, listen, we have some other solutions. Exactly. And so it's really, it's these memos are a one sheet that condenses it for them, right, for yes. the legislators. And then we also have lobbying activities. I know you're involved in that. So uh, unless there's another point that you wanted to make or a priority you wanted to point out to uh, our uh, listeners and viewers, what can we do with anybody listening or watching? Like, what can they do if they want to get involved? I mean, they should probably first familiarize themselves with what our priorities are on the agenda. But what other things could they do to help us um, move our agenda along? Well, the, the most important thing they can do is stay active and involved with their own union. Mm -hmm. um, our agenda flows from that. So uh, each union has their own efforts and lobby days and different activities that uh, any member can take advantage of. Uh, if you want to look at our material, it's all online at our website, which mm -hmm. I know you post at the end yep. of the um, at, at the end of the podcast. But starting with working with your union, and then through that union, working with the AFL-CIO as an entire movement, that's really what gets things going. We spend a lot of time doing that one-on-one -on -one lobbying and getting to legislators in Albany. But the most important thing is for those legislators to hear from the members of unions that live in their district. Mm -hmm. That's the most critical thing. The legislators come to Albany, they spend a couple days, they go to meetings, they go to press conferences, but then they go home. And when you visit your legislator and district or call them or write a letter to the local newspaper, they, those legislators know that you live and work there and you vote there. Mm -hmm. That's the most important thing. So staying in touch, developing relationships with your assembly members, your state senators, uh, really all levels of government is really critical because from time to time, your union will ask you, hey, we should contact this legislator. There's a real good idea you can help with or there's a real bad idea you might want to let them know mm -hmm. or her um, what what's happening. So in-district, local lobbying, very, very important. Okay, good. And we will be sure to include all that information and put in links uh, at the end of the podcast for people if they want to get involved. So, Mike, again, I know it is a busy time for you, so thank you very much. Mike Neidl is our legislative director at the New York State AFL-CIO. Thanks. Thank you, Darcy. This is always great. Joining me now is our communications and campaigns coordinator, Liz O'Neill. Hi, Liz. How are you? Hi, Darcy. So uh, Mike was talking about the importance of having our members involved and our affiliates involved in helping us to advance our agenda. And one of the priorities that he talked about is the minimum wage campaign. I know you've been very involved in that. So what, what are we doing right now in the campaign? Yes, we have a big campaign going on minimum wage. Right now we've got a petition. Um, we're going to be escalating to um, letter campaigns, call campaigns, in-district lobby days. Um, we're going to be sending letters to the editor. Um, so there are a lot of moving pieces there. And I'll put a link in the show notes where we're going to keep um, – it's a, called a campaign page where we keep all of our actions updated there. So folks can go and, you know, participate in all of the actions as they roll out. Right now we've just got the petition running, but come early March we'll have a letter campaign. Then later in March we'll have the call campaign also. Um, we encourage everyone to, you know, be reaching out to our legislators on this. It's really important. And, um, you know, the legislators need to hear from us. And then Mike also talked about, um, you know, having access to the legislative agenda and that we have it on our website. And we he gave some samples of the support and oppose memos. 
where can people find that information? Is our website that's the best place, right? Yep, it's all on our website. It's all on the legislation page. I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, so we've got a link for support memos on there and a post memos um, for legislative alerts, for um, our agenda, the budget breakdown. Um, it's all on that page. So we'll include that note in the show, that link in the show notes. Okay, thanks, Liz. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Darcy. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary-treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.